Hello and welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source for all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. In today's episode, we're going to talk about combined and carve-out financial statements. When do they arise and some practical issues of things to look out for. And I'm very lucky to be joined in the podcast studio by David Schmidt, who leads our IFRS practice in the US. Welcome to the studio, David. Hey, thanks, Ruth. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so let's start at the beginning. What are combined and carve-out financial statements? Well, actually, combined and carve-out financial statements pretty much refer to the same thing. They can be used interchangeably. So sometimes I'll talk about combined, sometimes I'll talk about carve-out, but basically the same. And they're essentially the financial statements of a division or business segment or component of a larger entity. For example, a group of similar products and operations or a segment of a listed business. They typically represent economic activities that are bound together by common control, but are not a legal group or meet the definition of a group under IFRS 10. Okay, so we've got a big group and effectively there is a segment of it that we're going to carve out and maybe combine it with other little bits. You got it. Okay, and why do we prepare them? When are they used? So capital market transactions, both private and and public, uh, certainly private You see uh, buyer comfort, where buyers often require a completed audit of a target's financial statements as a condition to to close. Public company reporting, certainly uh, disposals, distributions, spinoffs, business combinations, IPOs. It's something that regulators in some territories require and find very common. Example would be my home territory, the SEC. Certainly, you see them in financings, too, if uh, you are trying to borrow money based on the carved-out performance of some segment of a larger entity. Okay. We now know what they are and some of the transactions that we would see them in. Why are they so difficult? Well, lots of judgment. It, It takes a lot of judgment. It's a bit of an art, a bit of a science to put together carve-out statements. Certainly each transaction is different and each set of combined financial statements require unique challenges. You have to look at the nature of the transaction, what's the boundary of the reporting entity, the quality of the accounting records, the controls. Always have to focus on controls nowadays. Mm -hmm. The past practices and policies of the parent and um, certainly taking a look at the views of the regulators that I mentioned before. So I can imagine that is going to be tricky because you've got a big group, you're trying to find information to carve out for a specific area for like a track record, and then you're also thinking about what it's going to turn into, so what's the transaction going forward. Is there any sort of process that you can suggest to people of how they follow as they're going through that? Yeah, just crawl under a table and hug. Um, (laughs) Have a big hug. No, no, no. um, (laughs) Yeah, I think certainly, you know, first look at the purpose of the curve out. Why is it being prepared? That will help you sort of get your your arms around what you're going to do. Take a look at what territory you're going to be preparing the financial statements in. Do they have regulations? What does the regulator say? Why is it required? That sort of thing. Will the financial statements be in compliance with IFRS? Is it another gap such as U.S. gap or, or is it IFRS? You need to make sure that all the relevant economic activities are included. Um, 
should be ob objectively distinguished from other ac economic activities of the larger reporting entity. Management has to be comfortable that they're including all the appropriate assets, liabilities, operations. Certainly that requires judgment. You need to deal with the practical issues. You have to, you're going to be preparing balance sheets, income statement, cash flows. They, they're all going to involve judgment. Absolutely disclosure is necessary. Lots of disclosure. The note one of a set of carve out combined financial statements is a must read. A beast. Yeah. <laughs> A must read and a beast, because basically you're you're telling the reader the purpose, how you went about doing the the carve out, how the allocations were made. So it's it's a very important note. It's not yeah. one to skim over. I think it's hard because there's obviously no there's no IFRS for carve outs. So it's really uh, there's a lot of judgment involved, and that's why we'd always encourage a lot of disclosure so that the users know all the judgment that went into it. That's right. And sticking with IFRS there, obviously this component was hidden within a larger group. So there's often a lot of discussion with, is this the first IFRS set of accounts and therefore do you need to comply with IFRS 1? What are your views on that? Yeah, certainly that it has been a controversial topic in the past. You know, certainly it's, it's my view, it's our view that, that really IFRS 1, the, the um, standard that applies to first-time adoption of IFRS, does apply because it's the first time this set of financial yeah. statements has come into being. And because of that, you have certain issues. Certainly the least popular one from a deal speed standpoint is a third balance sheet. Yeah. IFRS 1 requires an opening balance sheet. Yeah. And a lot of times... That might not necessarily be required by the stakeholders if it's a, a private deal, but if, if they want an IFRS unqualified opinion, they um, need, to include need, it. need to include it. And, and, and so identifying that up front and, and the impact on the deal timing is important. You know, IFRS 1 also requires audited reconciliations between the old gap that was being used for the financial statements and now the, the new IFRS. Obviously, since these are the first time the financial mm -hmm. statements are being yeah. prepared ever for this entity, it's this new carved out or combined entity, you know, the reconciliation would be not applicable. So you no. don't have to do that, but but the third balance sheet, you, you do have yeah. to do. And you'd have to disclose why there's no rec, even though it's obvious that's, that's you'd right. need a sentence that's in right. there. Okay, so I think we've got a good understanding of what combined carve-outs are and when they arise and some of the process to follow. So I suppose in the last part of the podcast, could we go through some of the trickiest areas you see and what people need to think about? Lots of tricky areas. Let's, let's start with maybe pensions and taxes. So pensions, the, the employees of the new reporting entity may have participated or continue to par participate in the parents' employee benefit plans. I find it's rare that the new reporting entity will have its own defined benefit plans, certainly at the time of the transaction, yeah. or even that a, it, the pension will be legally assigned to the, to the carved out entity. So determining the uh, appropriate treatment of the employee benefit plans and uh, carve out depends on lots of different factors. I, I, I see two approaches that commonly are used. Probably the most common is the first one where employee benefit plans of the parents become in effect multi-employer plans with the employees of the new reporting entity acting as a participants in the multi-employer plan. It makes things certainly a bit easier in preparing the, the combined financial statements. 
contributions to the plan are included in the P&L of the new reporting entity, and it may be appropriate to allocate employee benefit expenses to the new reporting entity. In the rare case where you actually are being the new reporting entity is assigned a portion of the pension assets and assume the existing obligations, it may be appropriate to actually reflect pension assets and liabilities in the combined financial statements. Not as common, but yeah. certainly happens in, in both methods, disclose, disclose, disclose <laughs> what you're doing. And you'd probably need an actuary uh, helping in that second case because you've actually got to look at the measurement of those assets and liabilities as well. An actuary is very important in the process. Yeah, <laughs> we need their help. Um, and then I mentioned taxes. You know, ideally there's a separate tax return. In reality, I don't think I've ever seen it because you're creating a basically an entity, an entity that was not in existence in the past. So um, you usually don't have a separate tax return. So again, two methods. Probably the one I like the best is is you just end up allocating some some tax expense under some sort of tax sharing arrangement or intercompany charge or something like that makes it easier. But certainly um, you can take a um, sort of a, a separate tax return approach or method where you actually treat the new entity as if it was preparing a separate tax return in the entities that they're um, operating in. Yeah. Um, could, could be much more complex method, but possibly a more uh, or better reflection of how it will pay taxes going going forward. Yeah. So. Some of the things I find tricky with taxes as well is if you, I'm sure, go into, there might be some intercompany adjustments or things like that, and all of that, you, you need to think about the tax effect of that as well, uh, rather than just this was, you know, allocating out the tax based on the assets and liabilities, but also think about any um, intercompany adjustments and tax effect those. You're right. I find taxes tricky, period. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> once, mm. once upon a time I worked in tax, but I probably shouldn't say that aloud. <laughs> Lucky you, I'll remember that. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about pensions and taxes, and definitely from my experience, there can be lots of discussion about those. What about an as- the assets? What do we have to look out for there? Yes, certainly there are... Um, tricky issues with assets. Does a corporate asset belong in the carve-out or combined statement? You know, patents, brand names, it really depends on the facts and circumstances. Um, what was the past legal ownership? Uh, how was it used in the past? Are there intercompany sharing arrangements, such as operating or lease agreements amongst the common controlled entities? You know, along with assets, you, you, you're looking at the overhead costs at the parent company too, should corporate overhead costs be allocated to the carved out entities, things such as uh, IT costs sometimes are not pushed down and do they need to be pushed down? You gotta look at intercompany transactions that might've been eliminated in consolidated financial statements. You mentioned that in relative to tax, but any sort of intercompany transactions may have to all of a sudden reappear mm-hmm. at the uh, carved out entity. You know, purchases and sales amongst entities would be an example. Also, you know, any 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 sort of elimination and consolidation, you, you you need to take a take a look at as yeah. to whether it, it really should be eliminated still or appear as a as a separate transaction. And what about obviously we're carving out a section of the business that could have been part of a previous purchase that maybe has some goodwill attached to it. I know that we often have a lot of discussions around what purchase adjustments do we put through? Do we move goodwill over into the new co? 
you got any help for us on that? Yeah, it, again, it's there's not one way that that works all the time. But generally, you, you, you see that the caring values at the highest level of common control are used in the carved out entity. So that would include um, potentially goodwill and other purchase accounting assets or liabilities that possibly were not never pushed down or never appeared in the carved out entities. Taking goodwill, if you don't push it down or in the carve out or, or carve the goodwill out, you end up with stranded goodwill at the top cut level, which sometimes is difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You, you know, you also have to re- really take a, a new cut at impairment, which surprises people, I think. Um, yeah. you, you might have to, well, you certainly have to relook at whether you have the right CGUs because yeah. you're taking a, a slice at a lower level at the organization, so your CGUs might be different, and, and so you might be testing at a lower level for impairment. It really surprises people that there might be an impairment when there wasn't an impairment going forward, but at the lower level, there might be an impairment. Yeah. Yeah, always looking out for impairment. I think the hard thing with impairment is there's so many other things to think about when you're pulling together a set of carve-outs that you don't forget that you might have to look at all your CGUs and all your impairment methodology again from scratch for this particular area. And it's it's not great when you're trying to showcase a new impairment. It's 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 a little bit difficult to digest sometimes. Yeah, I can imagine. So that's really helpful, Dave. We're coming to the end of our podcast now on combining carve-outs. If you had sort of one line of advice besides for anyone hug, listening. hiding under the table. <laughs> besides group hugs and hiding under the table. Yeah. What would you list, tell our listeners? You know, I, I, I talked about deal speed and deal time. And I mean, when you are carving out, you really need to plan early. Yeah. Chart, chart it out. Find someone who's done these before. Yeah really important to to plan as early as possible and disclose 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 (laughs) as we always love in accounting absolutely (laughs) perfect well thank you very much for joining us i think that was a really useful look at combined and carve outs we understood what they are the context when we see them an overall process to go through and also some of the tricky areas for example pensions taxes some of those purchase adjustments and corporate allocations So thank you very much for joining us today, David. I was your host, Ruth Preedy. Happy accounting. The preceding programme was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.